We always want to go back to the first tenets that we had when creating the game. And one of them was we wanted a world where people feel at home. Welcome to Key Characters. My name is Hal Crawford. Today, I'm speaking to Aaron Warwick, the co-founder of blockchain gaming project Illuvium. As you've already heard from his accent, Aaron, like me, is Australian. Illuvium is one of the biggest and most high-profile blockchain game projects of all. And yes, it is insanely ambitious. Having never before released a game, the Illuvium team has been working on not one, but three game titles. In this interview, Aaron and I cover the basis of the Illuvium game world, creating a complex game economy, the Warwick's unusual and close family, and living through the wild crypto ride. I give you Aaron Warwick. I'm Aaron Warwick. I'm one of the co-founders of Illuvium, a game that's built on the Ethereum blockchain and one of a team of about 200 people at the moment that are working to build what we hope to be one of the best blockchain games in the world. I spend most of my days working on the story and the game design and general production management and things of that nature. Story development and game development. So it's actually the meat of the project, isn't it? Is that how you think of it? I would say at this stage, the meat of the project is definitely something that I work on, but I wouldn't call it specifically the story or, or specifically the game design. I think that those are important things, but we have leads that work on those particular things. When we started the project out, I did do most of the game design and most of the story, but since it's started expanding, we've had to bring on other people to flesh it out, improve it, and things like that. But I would actually say that the meat of Alluvium is not in any one individual element, it's in getting them all to come together in a way that's cohesive and allows people to experience something that they haven't experienced before. And I'm not specifically talking about some you know, interesting new storyline or some really cool game mechanic, but one of the interesting things about having things on the blockchain, you've got that physicality to it. There's only so many that can ever exist of a particular NFT. Ownership is something that is very easy to define. It's very easy to quantify. So everyone can treat it as if it's a physical object while at the same time getting all of the benefits of the digital world. What we're trying to do is build a whole ecosystem of games together that can work in a way that allows you to feel like you're part of a larger world. And so we, we always talk about this idea of having a massively multiplayer game and having this big meta game where you know you can do all of these cool things in the world and we're trying to build that not through one game that has everything but through a number of games that all have individual smaller pieces mm. as i was reviewing uh alluvium and the alluvium universe i found the complexity of the interactions quite uh mind-boggling you've got three at least three different games that are in development uh, and they're all tied together with the blockchain technology it struck me as a complicated economic challenge how do you know that you're getting the balance right 
I would love to say that we have some formula somewhere that gives us some boxes to tick, which says, yep, this will definitely work, but we, we really don't. Early on in the project, we brought on some analysts and some people with you know, degrees in microeconomics, macroeconomics, that sort of thing, and tried to pick their brains for what would be the best way to set up a game. In the end, we just decided that it's best not to actually worry about it and instead start to worry a little bit more about how do we get things to be able to correct themselves if something gets a little bit out of whack. So the general idea is that we won't be specifically charging people a set price for a particular thing. We have set up three tokens, which we call fuel. They're used as the way that people buy things in the world. They will have a individual conversion rate to Ethereum. And there's even a little story element in the background to make sure that that you know, makes sense because we want it to feel all encompassing and like you're in an immersive world. But the point is that they can all be different to each other and having different rates for each of those individual things and having different ways for people to use them in the game means that they can fluctuate in price in a way that we don't control and no one individually controls, but becomes a bit of a metagame for itself. And it, it acts as a self-correcting mechanism. We don't know if it's going to be absolutely perfect on day one, but we did make some you know, really, really strong lines in the sand that we wouldn't cross. So for example, Illuvials are the backbone of our game in terms of the NFTs. They're the one thing that we want to ensure people have as, as a, I guess, a scarce resource. They're used in every game in various individual ways. And we didn't want them to just flood the market with new people adding them. And, you know, there's other games out there that have elements where they do things like breeding or multiplication or splitting and things like this. So that ends up giving you an exponential number of these things. Whereas ours, it becomes harder and harder to create them over time using a type of bonding curve that allows us to say that capturing it in the overworld, which is the only place where you can capture these things, it just gets more and more difficult. And then the second thing is you have to actually capture them. For anyone who doesn't understand our game, a, a good sort of uh, proxy for that would be in Pokemon, you have the Pokeballs. We have shards where you capture the alluvials onto. And the difficulty, or at least the, the capture chance, will slowly drop over time. And then on top of that, we have an extra mechanism, which we call fusion, which is where to make the, the higher stages of alluvials, you basically have to smush them together as if they're Play-Doh or something like that. And they will form into something that is more powerful and has now, you know, in the Pokemon nomenclature, be sort of evolving, that sort of thing. But that allows us to ensure that over time that there's there is a way for them to naturally be removed from the world. Mm. So perhaps we should take a step back and just uh, explain the three games that are in development at the moment in the in really broad terms. Could you could you do that? Sure. So the the three games that we have are, are sort of like a a proof of concept of our entire ecosystem. There's two games that that must exist. 
and, and that is Alluvium Zero and Alluvium Overworld. Together, they act as the way to get items into our world and, and not just items, but all NFTs. So for example, Alluvium Zero is a industrial city builder type game. It's not on the complexity of something like SimCity, but if you've played something like Simpsons Tapped Out, it's that style of process. It came from an idea that we had early on to make a, a small, you know, like a mini game that could exist in our world. And then it sort of grew out of that and it's become something, you know, unto itself and, and um, amazing. Yeah. So, so Overworld is the second game that allows us to bring assets into the universe. And in this one, it's specifically about the, the tangible assets. So it's, it's not about fuel. It's about the alluvials themselves. It's about your armaments, all of the different recipes that you have in the game to allow you to build items come from playing in the overworld. So from that perspective, it's, it's like a, a third person RPG. I, I find the movement in the game to be really, really fun and liberating. The worlds are just super detailed, incredibly gorgeous. And overall, the purpose of that game is to act as sort of a a, a person is acquiring stuff and bringing it into the ecosystem. And then Alluvium Arena is the first game that we've got, which acts purely as a way to utilize those assets. So Alluvium Arena is not very heavily story-driven, and it, it doesn't allow you to sort of bring things into the world. It's a consumer of resources. So if you want to play that game, you have to have a deck. A deck means that you've got your alluvials, you've got your equipment, you've got all of the different bits and pieces that you need to, to win. But then when you go and play it, it's, it's not a story-driven mode. It's more about PvE, which is super fun, and PvP, which is my favorite part of everything, which is, you know, I'm, I'm super competitive when it comes to these types of games. We want there to be a competitive scene, and this would be our first title that has that element of competitiveness, and it certainly won't be our last. So you we guys are already thinking um, more beyond the three games that you've got in development at the moment? We already have... In, in the works, I, I mean, at, at various levels of concept, we've gone through probably 15 to 20 games that we think could work. We've got some basic game design documents for about five or six of them that, that we think are very obvious ones that can exist in our sort of universe. Is there a, like a 3D shooter? There is a first-person shooter that is at a very, very, very you know, low level of concepts. With, with all of these games, it comes down to how will you use the alluvial NFTs? That's really what matters beyond anything else is using the alluvial NFTs. And we need to ensure that they get used in, in ways that are novel and interesting and allow people to have different reasons for playing all of the, the different games. The way that it appears to me is that the the story in the fictional world that you weave around these three games is central to bringing this thing off. Is that how you see it? How important is the story? I, I would say beyond the story, probably the most important thing is having a tangible universe. So obviously story is a huge part of that, but whenever we look to build something, whenever we're looking to work out what are our decisions going to be, we always want to go back to the first tenets that we had when creating the game, 
And one of them was we wanted a world where people feel at home, something that people feel comfortable with, something that they can swap between games and have some elements of familiarity. So for example, if your sword does a particular action in Alluvium Arena, and then later on we built a cart game, then that sword needs to have a way of being used inside of that game and it needs to have similar functions. It might not have exactly the same function because obviously a sword in a kart racing game, you know, it doesn't work completely, but it could work as a power up for the kart. It could act as something that you can use to attack your person in a sort of road rage style of game. I don't know if you ever remember that game, but it was uh, it was absolutely phenomenal when I was growing up. But we don't know exactly where the games will go, but what we do know is that people need to feel that sense of familiarity so that as they play each individual game, they get that new experience, they get that new elements, they get that extra part of the story, but they also feel like they know this because that's something that gamers are super, super careful about. You know, Even in competitive titles, people will stick to one particular title rather than other titles, for example, with first-person shooters, because they know the mechanics, they've used it for a long time, they become experts, and they don't like having that feeling of loss of skill. So for us, the idea is, yeah, we might have a MOBA, and we might have an auto battler, and we might have a first-person shooter, but you should be able to hop between those games and at least have a leg up over any competition where you're playing against some person that has never played any of our titles before. Now, Aaron, you're uh, a mathematician and uh, you're also a sportsman, which is a really interesting combination, particularly considering your, your current job at Alluvium. Tell me, does maths help you in your job at all? So I want to be very clear. I am definitely not a mathematician. It's just something that I've always been interested in since I was a child. I did computer engineering and physics at university, and the thing that I was most into while doing that was the, the gaming side of it. I got to learn how to program in C++, and at the time, that was very often used for game development. That's where I did most of my own little projects and things like that. So I've always been interested in that sort of stuff, but there are probably 50 people on the team that are uh, smarter than me and better than me and uh, you know better coders and things like that. One, one thing that I will say is that puzzles and trying to break, thing down, break things down into interlocking parts is definitely something that, that I feel I'm, I'm, I'm fairly good at. And I've done that since I was a child. I remember when we used to go on long car trips, my dad would give us these brain teasers that we used to have to work out. And after doing them a few times and sort of falling in love with them, I became involved in a lot of communities that would do a lot of these types of logic puzzles and brain teasers. And that's probably the area where I used math the most. When I, when I grew up, my dad was a professional tennis player and we were always a sporty family, so we we're always doing sports. So my entire childhood was me convinced that I was definitely going to be a sports person, even though every bit of spare time that I had went towards things like logic puzzles and things like programming and things like games. So I think I've always had that tendency to sort of steer towards, I guess, the nerdier elements in life. But because of my upbringing, 
I, I didn't really interact with it that much. And I was always either swimming or doing tennis or thing, things like of that nature. It was only once I got older that I sort of started to, to move away from that. But then later on in life, I, I became a tennis coach and, and, and I've worked with some of the best juniors in Australia. So I've definitely had a bit of a, a mixed experience in my 40 years on this planet. Yeah. I'm interested in the family uh, environment that you grew up in. How many Warwick kids are there? There's four that we're aware of. That's, that's definitely enough. Four, four boys, right? Yeah, four boys. I don't think I've met anyone that's even remotely similar to my brothers. So I think that we're fairly unique. It's, it's sometimes a good thing and sometimes not. But yeah, we were really competitive growing up. We tend to argue a lot. Uh, we we even tend to argue a lot about things that we know are definitely wrong, but it becomes sport to try and convince the other person that you are correct. I think that in in another life, we could have all been lawyers quite easily, and we will gladly spend hours and hours at a time debating ridiculous topics that have <laughs> no basis in reality. Um, where do you come in the order of order of things? I'm second, so Kane is older than me, and then Grant and Kieran are, are younger than me. There, there's a bit of a gap though between myself and Grant. So Kane and I were a little bit closer in age growing up, and Kieran and Grant sort of grew up a bit closer together. So there's there's little things in the way that it changed our experience. For example, I missed out on the Pokemon craze. I was just a little bit too old for it, but that's where they've come in to try and you know convince me that something like a collectible monster hunter style mm. game would be fantastic. And, and right. are, are all the boys involved in Alluvium in some way? Or yeah, hundred percent. Kieran and Grant and myself, we're the co-founders. Although to be fair to them, they came to me first with the idea to to do this project. But we all sort of worked out our various bits and pieces. Grant acts as the art director on the project. He's the one that's always pushing for it to be AAA. So, you know, there, there's a huge art team that we have that are phenomenal, but that we wouldn't have collected them all together as a group had it not been for him. And Kieran acts as the marketing director and he deals with that side of the business. He's more working on the hype side of things. And, you know, he's thrown in ideas that have been really great that have helped flesh out the story and the game mechanics and all sorts of things. And then Kane has acted, I guess, as more of an advisor on all things blockchain. And he, he also was an early investor in the project. He's got his own stuff that he's working on that's even bigger than Alluvium. So we, you know, I have utmost respect for, for him. But yeah, I would say that in some capacity or other, all of us are involved in in the game i've i've suggested to my two younger brothers that at some point we should probably give kane his own monkey that there is a group of characters in the game that are all monkeys that are meant to loosely resemble us and we have three of them in the game at the moment there's potential for two more monkeys based on the different classes that we have in the game but i've yet to convince them to add in kane's monkey now just the uh, ebb and flow of crypto um, has been pretty extreme and, and has seen your phenomenal worth uh, fluctuate. Does that affect you personally? How, how crazy is, is the ride? 
I would I would say that it it potentially could affect someone. I mean, obviously, the sort of swing that we've had with the crypto crash, you know, at the end of last year and then this year has been pretty extreme. But I don't think that it has affected me. I don't feel like it has. I'm not the sort of person who's very big into material possessions. I still drive a Toyota RAV4 and I I don't tend to to buy many fancy things or anything like that. So so for me, I'm just focused on building out the game. I honestly don't think it's affected Kieran or Grant in any particular way. I think that all four of us are, are totally fine with our situation. Put it this way, there's a, there's a lot of other people in the world that have things a lot worse off than us, and it, it would feel, feel pretty ridiculous for us in our position to, I guess, be negative on anything, so we'll just take it as it comes. The, the one area that I think is important for me is, and, and I would say the same for my brothers as well, even though I don't speak for them, is I think that we want the project to be successful and for other people to, to gain out of it. And so obviously it doesn't feel great at the moment that there's people that have lost out of it, but all we can do at this stage is just build the best game that we can possibly do. Now, one of the really major challenges that has been explained to me in this area is converting mainstream gamers, web to gamers, to blockchain gaming. Is that um, a challenge that you see facing Alluvia? I, I wouldn't say that that's actually the challenge, right? The, it, I guess in a in a functional way, that's what would happen. It, it would be mainstream gamers eventually coming over to blockchain games. The problem with that is it sort of puts in there a, an implication that being a blockchain game specifically has some value, and it absolutely doesn't. And that that's the difference in our mentality when it comes to our game versus a lot of the games that I see being made. There's been probably a hundred games that I've looked at and reviewed to try and see if people have great ideas around it. And the most common idea is just to put blockchain in the title, to put NFTs in there without any idea of why they should exist and what the technology should be used for. I, I liken it to people back when the Game Boy was invented. There was a lot of games that were just absolutely terrible because they didn't take advantage of the fact that people could be using it periodically while they were traveling, while they were in in the car, while they were on the train, that sort of thing. And the technology sort of tells you what are the advantages that it gives you. And if all you do is just say, you know, hey, we'll put NFT in our title and people will make a lot of money, you haven't fundamentally done anything and you haven't made a game. So for me, I would say mainstream gamers will eventually play mainstream games that just happen to be connected to the blockchain. And that's how I think that we should look at it, is they're not going to suddenly flock over to some new thing. They're going to do exactly what they've always done, which is play the best games, play the things that are the most fun, that give them the best experiences. And it's my belief that when you add all of the things that they're currently used to with the blockchain in a way that allows them to sort of be part of this world where their assets feel like they're their own, and where they can move between games and be used in a lot of different you know, novel ways, that to me is what's going to appeal to them. But it's certainly not going to be NFT in the title. They absolutely hate that because so far, all they've seen is mostly 
crappy projects and scam projects. So they're, they're absolutely rightful to feel fearful and that, that sense of disdain for NFT games. But I don't want us to be seen as an NFT game. I want us to be seen as a AAA game that is enjoyable and fun. And one of the reasons why it's so fun is because you own your own assets. And the way that we do that is through the blockchain. Nice, nice. Aaron, thanks so much for talking to me. Yeah, no problems at all. Thank you for having me and uh, allowing me to ramble on about some various things with Alluvium and hopefully have given some insight to your listeners to sort of check us out a little bit more in detail and, and, and go from there. This interview was recorded at the very start of the year. And since then, Alluvium has released a collectible card game called Alluvium Beyond. It's also faced some questions from its community about its runway funding. I'd like to acknowledge here that Polymos, the organisation I work for, holds Alluvium assets. Although I don't, and those holdings have not influenced me in this interview at all. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Aaron Warwick for his time and openness. Bye for now, from me, Hal Crawford.